the incomparable. Number 540, November 2020. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is a draft episode because this is a podcast largely where we draft things and occasionally talk about other things, but mostly we just draft things. And this is a draft I'm calling the One Season Wonders. Now, you may be saying, you with the encyclopedic knowledge of The Incomparable, what, Jason, about episode 55, the uh, brilliant but canceled draft in which we drafted great TV shows that failed to reach their proper natural lifespan. And to you, I would say, first off, why do you remember that? Second, that was way back in 2011. Uh, Third, the premise here is slightly different in that we're going to be drafting shows that only made it one season. Now, there there was, before the podcast, a lot of rules litigation um, happening in our Slack about what, what about shows that were miniseries, so they were never intended to go on for more than one season, and what about movies. I, I'll rule as we go by, but I'll just say the idea here is it's a TV show that was meant to be an ongoing concern, but it only did one season, and then they never came back. So it's the, it's the show's that only had the one season, but it was a great season, and it, they're worth uh, worth you, I don't know, checking out if they're available somewhere, otherwise just worth you weeping about the fact that they got canceled, I guess. Let me introduce my many, many panelists in the order in which they will be drafting one season wonders. With the first pick as selected by random.org, Moises Chuyan. I have no idea how I ended up this lucky. It must be because <laughs> I'm here to interview for the doctor's job i can assure you jason my credentials are top notch i just graduated from harvard college yale i aced every semester and i got an a uh picking second monty ashley uh jason uh looking forward to a good clean game just hope nobody gets injured out there yeah well i mean we've had a real rash of podcast injuries lately so i'm hoping that this is is okay picking third will be philip michaels jason i have some rules questions Mm mm-hmm is is a fraggle a one season wonder? Um, <laughs> I think I think it's a it's not a Muppet. <laughs> uh, choosing fourth will be Glenn Fleischman. Well, there's your fatal mistake. But you know, hold on, I'm just turning, going around this corner on this hairpin bend with my car driving really fast, looking over my shoulder. All right, it's a car chase. Uh, drafting fifth, I, I, I've lost count now. Is Dan Morin? Hi, Dan. Oh, uh, there must be some mistake. I was here for the one season O'Neaters podcast. Mm. <laughs> Reference acknowledged. Thank you. <laughs> uh, oh, that's thing he does. Choosing sixth is Quinn Rose. Hi. Hello. I actually was renewed for another season, but I was unfortunately canceled due to circumstances beyond my control. Yeah, it's true. They're doing that a lot these days. You know, the renewals followed by the COVID cancellations. It's a, it's a shame, but it is happening. Uh, picking seventh, James Thompson will be picking all sorts of shows that don't exist and we won't know because we're Americans <laughs> and Canadians. Hi, hi well, James. I have brought a number of one series wonders because we don't <laughs> call them seasons. <laughs> and not okay, anymore. You used to. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, choosing eighth hopefully she won't lose she she has a very small list to pick from hopefully she won't be sniped it's erica ensign hi in doing preparation for this podcast i have discovered i am not an early adopter when it comes to tv it takes a very compelling reason to get me to watch something that is either new or just one season and you know what i am perfectly comfortable with that life choice uh choosing ninth david j lore i could have sworn this was uh 
series that were embedded pilots in Magnum PI that should have gotten series. Mm. But but I'll I'll work with the it. backdoor pilots draft. That would be <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. Oh. 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 oh we oh. need to do that. And and oh. choosing tenth because random.org hates him. I guess it's Cicero Holmes. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I think I think I hate myself, Jason. I think I did this wrong. Um, on my big board are things like paprika and sesson and adobo. You said oh. one season. What single season? Oh, yeah. Seasoning. No, z- no, no zatar? What's no, going on? No, Jason, no. I have a rule clarification. Okay. Does Mrs. Dash uh, count as one season? <laughs> Mrs. Dash <laughs> is uh, a season and a Muppet, it turns right. out. Yeah. Uh, does, oh, do Mrs. Okay. Dash and Mr. Dash count as one, or do you have to pick them? No, you have to pick them separately. Sep- separately. Uh, also, no. there is no Mr. Dash. <laughs> right. Mr. Dash was his father. Uh, all right. Let's just, uh, we're going to talk about one season wonders, and uh, it's going to start with Moises. Moises, what's the first choice for you? Well, for me, uh, I, I look at shows of the past, and there are always uh, there are always things that I forget until I go to rewatch them. And in rewatching uh, the first few episodes of this show, I remembered, oh yeah, it was the seventies, wasn't it? Um, and uh, and I, I I think there are shows that were inspired by this show that uh, that one could pick in the annals of great TV shows ever made. But this one only got one season, and that's 1974's Kolchak, The Night Stalker, starring Darren McGavin. Um, this, uh, this procedural is different than most procedurals. Most procedurals are, are your, your cops, your doctors. This is your journalist tracking down weird supernatural stuff that happens. He's kind of a dirtbag. He's kind of a jerk. Um, but at the end of the day, he is really just interested in the truth about the weird things that go bump in the night. Um, do things get abnormally racist in just the second episode? Absolutely. <laughs> Again, it was the 1970s. Wow, abnormally uh, racist. Abnormally racist. racist. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We can accept racism within the bounds of normality. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it, there, there, is, there is being a little bit racist, and then there's leaning all the way into it uh, to, to make it the entire premise for a whole episode. Um, kind of like live and let die style. Yeah, being able to look yeah. past some of that stuff. You know, there are episodes that you can just plain skip, uh, like the one with uh, Jaws from the Bond series as a Native American. Um, but oh, yeah. this show is is historically important. It was David Chase's first big job in television. Uh, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale wrote on this show. Um, and what it did for the supernatural and for the horror genre, um, supernatural and horror stuff, There's uh, there, there are all kinds of problematic things throughout the history of those genre uh, that that uh, that the genre grows out of and learns from. Um, so even though there there is definitely prominent stuff uh, to be called out, which is why I called it out uh, early and often there, um, uh, the show as a whole overall um, is not, uh, it's not endemic to the entire series. It's something that pops up. But again, uh, I, I improperly use the word abnormally because it was not abnormal as compared to the rest of 70s television. In fact, it was far more restrained than a lot of 70s television uh, when it came to uh, racism issues, uh, fat, uh, fat shaming. Fat shaming is in the first episode. Um, the, uh, the, the beauty of Kolchak the Night Stalker is mostly, to me, wrapped up in, in the performance of the lead, uh, who also was an executive producer on the show and got uh, and, and did loads of uncredited writing and rewriting on the show. Um, and as the, as the network 
replaced the showrunner with somebody who wanted to retool the show in a way that McGavin wasn't down with. He just plain spiked the show in public interviews and was saying, I hope they don't review it. I hope we get canceled. The show's dead. The network doesn't care about it anyway. They don't care about what it is we're trying to do. So we might as well get canceled. Um, so as as a one-season wonder, uh, I think it is also distinctive for that fact where um, it's Star was trying to not get it renewed intentionally. Uh, and and as it got canceled, that was when the show was on its wane. And uh, it didn't go go out quite on top, but it went it went out before it completely spiraled um, and started getting bad. And just keep in mind that entire arc that Moises has just described in one season because it was only 20 episodes <laughs> long. Also notable about the Night Stalker, Kolchak the Night Stalker, uh, inspired the X-Files. Basically, the X-Files is a, a Night Stalker uh, remix and uh, inspired its own uh, reboot, which lasted even fewer episodes than the original. So wow. uh, it was that show is still on, still on the board, but not much of a wonder. All right. Kolchak the Night <laughs> yeah, Stalker is on so the board. Great. Monty, your choice. Jason Bateman oh, yeah. was the was the star of an awesome TV show in the 1980s called It's yes. Your Move. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Now I watched uh, every one of those. Yep. Bateman plays a high school scam artist with a single mom, and he's shown doing things like practicing picking locks. He had a huge see-through plexiglass combination lock that he would practice picking. Uh, he engaged in elaborate disinformation and prank wars with the neighbor, who was played by David Garrison, who'd later on go on to be the first neighbor on Married with Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bateman's character was so amoral that partway through the season, he renounced his scheming ways because of angry letters from parents. And the show got buried <laughs> under protests. Oh my! God. By the end of the series, he was bland and boring, and they still kept writing protest letters. So the show had no <laughs> chance of being renewed. But the first part of it, where he's constantly doing pranks straight up illegal things too, like actual blackmail and selling exams. It was a really fun show. As I remember, I have not gone back and tried to watch any clips of it. So this is all based on 35 year old memories and research. I remember one episode where he had to fake being, having been bitten by a tsetse fly and, <laughs> and went into a coma. I, oh. it was, yeah. yeah Maybe I did and, see this show. And that sounds familiar. Part of, part of the overarching premise was that, he was trying to prevent David Garrison from dating his mom, and so so it was largely a battle of wills between the two of them until that, the protests. That David Garrison usually won. There were a lot of episodes yeah. where yeah. it would end with like a series of, now go here, now go there, solve this puzzle. And it ended with Jason Bateman holding, as I remember, a blue index card that just said, feeling stupid. <laughs> yeah, the one, the one that I remember is the is the uh, Dregs of Humanity, which is the uh, the fake rock band that's skeletons from the biology lab, and then <laughs> he's oh, trying to pass man. them off as a real band. And um, yeah, this is uh, this is also the creators of Married with Children a couple of years yes. later. So they, oh. this was their first run at it. Um, and then they took another stab uh, on the Fox network, which didn't care about all those letters. Send in your letters. At least someone's watching. Uh Uh, Sort of the Parker Lewis can't lose of its day. Oh. Now you're speaking a language I can understand. First starring vehicle, (laughs) it's your move. It's your move. It's great. I I think this was really sold as like, oh, it's Justine Bateman's little brother. He'll be doing a, a comedy on NBC, and then they saw it, and they're like, oh, 
Uh, well, he, oh, had, no. he had been uh, like the scamp on Silver Spoons. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I thought okay. this was a spinoff of Silver Spoons for the longest time. Hmm. Just because. only only uh, in spirit, I guess, yeah. or something, in pro- network promotion terms. <laughs> um, okay, it's your move. It's on the board. Phil, it's your choice. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I'm not gonna beat around the bush. We're we're picking terriers, man. All Gotta right, get terriers before yeah. someone Damn else uh, snaps it up. 2010, lovely FX series with uh, with uh, 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 Donald Logue and, and Michael Raymond James is uh, basically schlubby schlubby uh, beach city detectives. And uh, uh, that was the original you, title. It should have been. <laughs> it should have been. It would have done better than Terriers. Yeah. Than Terriers. No, the Terriers made no sense. It literally, why are you called Terriers? Is there a dog involved? Eh, sort of. There is a dog at some point in the show. Um, but only one. Yeah, only one. So it would be terrier. Would be more. And it wasn't a terrier. <laughs> and it, and yeah, <laughs> it had a great first season arc in which the mystery unfolded over time. It was uh, uh, Raymond Chandler esque, uh, and mm-hmm. it uh, th- there were so many more mysteries they they could have solved each season if uh, if FX had just brought it back, but it didn't. And it has the I, I I will wager I don't know what anyone else is picking. This had the best theme song of any show you're going to hear today. Quite Gun, possibly. Gun, gunfight Epiphany. That's it's a great song. A great song. Mm-hmm. Well, when I announced that we were doing this, I had several people say, "I, you've got to pick Terriers, right? And I, mm-hmm. I was hoping somebody would step up. It's ripe for a comeback. I feel like if they're oh, reviving yeah. all this other stuff. And every, yeah, the, the and Donald Logue is pop- available. Yeah. <laughs> so, constantly. Well, the, the, the creator is always popping up on Twitter going, hey, if people were to write letters and demand Terriers <laughs> would come back, I could maybe get it to the finance. And, so, yeah. I mean, I'd the beauty of it. it is, I you know, like a good Raymond Chandler thing, I'd love to see the same characters a couple of years later. Where are they now? Yeah. It's it's ripe for that. All right. Terriers. Great choice. It was demanded. So I'm glad that Phil has uh, fulfilled the demands. Uh, it, was, it was on my long list because I knew I wasn't going to get to we're gonna save. Uh, we're going to save a lot of letters that people are going to write complaining we didn't pick Terriers. So that's important stuff. Like, yes. kinda like And also that we should cancel it. It's your move. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Otherwise, Jason Bateman will have to change his and, character. And so. complaining about the, horror, the, the abnormal racism in Kolchak. So we've really got a lot of chain of letters that are going to be coming in now. <laughs> It's only abnormal in that they, they, they take such pains to be so incredibly specific mm-hmm. about it. Uh, Glenn, it's your choice. Well, I, uh, I have some rules battles that I'm not going to fight this round. That's, that's how much you. I love you, Jason. Thank I'm going to put those off until future bounds or bring out your dead. Uh, I'm picking one that I'm sure there, there are a number of shows I was looking at and I was like, oh, David is, this has got to be on David's list. This is on David's <laughs> list, probably on David and Monty's list. Phil, David, Monty. Um, so I'm picking Man from Atlantis, which was an amazing <laughs> formative experience for me from 19, there you go, 1977, 78. Patrick, what did it form exactly? Wait, well, the person was, I asked today, Monty, if you ever wondered. Was there an entire wondered. season of that show? Yeah. So yeah, here's the thing. Okay. I had to research this. It was mid-season. I don't think, yeah, this, so is a, I don't think this is a rules battle because they made four movies and then launched a season, but it was That's all right. sort of one yeah. thing. And I think under our rules that That qualifies. was the NBC thing too. Like Quincy started as a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were right. they were into the movie thing. I'm going to so count it because pa- they, the, they did the movies and then they did one 13-episode season and then it's over. 
I figured I did not see I'm not provoking a Glenn, fight Glenn, I love this show too because people don't know, and we've <laughs> talked about it here occasionally. The late 70s on television, if you're a kid and you want your sci-fi action adventure, there was nothing. Yeah, and yeah, so when yeah, something yeah. would appear like your Man from Atlantis, your Buck Rogers, your Battlestar Galactica, it, they were garbage, but it didn't matter. Oh, it was I, for a while it was just I the Bionic so shows. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, the Bionic Man, the Bionic Woman, oh, yeah, yeah, Six Million yeah. Dollar no, Man, yeah, exactly. Jason, you You're make so me little. so happy. You fill my heart with glee because I was, I don't know, I was ten then, nine or ten, and I was desperate for this and was watching weird stuff on PBS like Doctor Who reruns that were cut into tiny pieces that you had to watch at weird uh, times. So, Man from Atlantis, it's just they Patrick Duffy washes up on a beach. It's like, oh, he's got gills and he breathes webbed underwater. Hands. So, so Ooh. let's yeah, webbed hands. So let's send them. Let's. So that's not weird enough. Then they have him, you know, go back in time, cross dimensions. Um, <laughs> the family was watching. We showed our 13 year old airplane exclamation point uh, the other night. And uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar shows up on screen in the cockpit scene early on. He's like, who is that? I'm like, oh, that's, you know, he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And oh, and he's also an actor. And my wife says, well, not, you know, not much of an actor. And I was like, <laughs> but, it, but he was an airplane and he was in an episode of Man from Atlantis playing mm. big tall guy in the giant episode. <laughs> Anyway, it's a bonkers series. It was really fun. I remember enjoying it because it was just um, really out there and weird and funny and took itself a little seriously. But the thing is, every once in a while, as an adult, I'll have a strange memory and I'll be like, God, did I? Was that a horrible nightmare dream or was that in a show? And I'll look it up. It's like, nope, that was an episode. Starring Patrick Duffy, who went on to be famous for being in Dallas. But we will always know him as the man from Atlantis. Glenn, uh, well done. That's Thank a, you. that's a, I I was so young at that point that I wasn't aware of season breaks or anything like that. But indeed, <laughs> no. Man from Atlantis, one season wonder. Dan from Atlantis, <laughs> you're next. <laughs> well, no, there used to be when I was growing up. There was a shop called Man from Atlantis that sold no. sci-fi memorabilia and oh like my you God. know kitschy stuff <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, later got taken over by an anime shop because that was how the world rolled at that yeah. point. Uh, I'm going to pick a more recent show. Uh, it is a, a little bit of a high concept show. I don't know if you, that quite works, but uh, it's part cop show, part fantasy show, part big question. It's Awake from Kyle Killen, which oh. aired in 2012, which is a fantastic show starring Jason Isaacs, who is a cop. He has been in a car accident, and he wakes up in alternately two separate realities and kind of bounces back and forth between them. In one of them, his son was killed in the accident. In one of them, his wife was killed in the accident. And so as the season, which I think ran for 13 episodes, unfolds, he's trying to solve the mystery of what happened during this accident as well as reconcile these two different realities that he's in. And then like he's in different like therapy with different like therapists in each reality. He's got a different partner in each of the realities. Like in one of them he's like he also got like a new love interest after his wife has died. And then he's trying to cope with his son, you know, in the other reality. And it is Extremely clever. It's beautifully shot because they use these different filters to represent the different realities. So, like, the lighting feels different. You can kind of uh, immediately identify where you are. Uh, He wears, like, a wristband to tell the difference in each of the realities, which one he's in. Um, And it's got, like, uh, just a great cast. Laura Allen, uh, Steve Harris, B.D. Wong, um, you know, uh, and Jason Isaacs really, I think, does a fantastic job of anchoring this show. And it was one of those things that, like, it built as the season went along, and you get some degree of resolution at the end, but it still felt like, you know, they left the the, the plot sort of open to figure out 
what else was going on, like what was sort of the mystery here. So I think it was a really clever show. I think it's, you know, there's a struggle here in that like it was a show that was both a sort of a procedural, but also clearly, uh, you know, something that took a few more chances and did something a little different. And I think that is a tough sell for a lot of people who go in expecting a very by the book procedural. Um, but I, I thought it was a really, really well-made show, um, fascinating to watch, and just unlike anything that I had watched before. Hello to Jason Isaacs. Hello to Jason Isaacs, yes. <laughs> that was uh, a good show. Yeah, it was well, a good was show. It, uh, Great premise. Was just, ca- just canceled yeah. for ratings? Is that the yep. whole, just yeah, very yeah, simple? Okay. Yeah. All right. That was it. It's too yeah. bad. Well, it was... In, it's the old argument. It's too smart. You have to pay attention mm. to it. Oh, right. We yeah. don't want that from episode yeah, to episode. Squad. It, was a, it was a network TV show. So, you know. I see. Yeah. They don't want okay. that. All right. Good choice, Dan. Uh, we move on to Quinn. So at the very beginning, I made a joke about how I had been renewed, but then canceled due to oh. pandemic circumstances. And I'm going to be talking about a show that that exact thing happened to, and it is called I Am Not Okay With This. Uh-huh. So th- this is a very recent Netflix show, and it is based on a comic book um, that was written by Charles Forsman, who also wrote the comic book that the TV show The End of the Effing World, which is another Netflix TV show, was based on. <laughs> that strangely got a second season when there was no material to base it on. But yes, this yeah. this one, not so much. This one was canceled. Yeah, I am a big fan of both of these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one did get renewed and they got a second season. This one got renewed and then canceled, which sucks. Oh. It's a really cool show. It's a kind of a coming of age comedy drama, but there's all of these supernatural elements centers around um, Sydney, who's played by Sophia Lillis, who does an amazing job. And she starts to develop telekinetic powers and it does not go well for her. <laughs> um, and at the same time, she's also dealing with just like school and her social life and being awkward and figuring out her sexuality and it, and a big thing about the whole show is when the show starts her dad has passed away and as the show goes on you find out more and more about what happened to him and how it relates to her own powers and it was just so cool and well made and interesting and like had really interesting characters and it ends on a wild cliffhanger <laughs> and then was canceled and Aww. I was like oh no but it's based on a comic book so I'll just go get the book and read it turns out no they clearly were going to do something else because the comic book ends differently than how the first season of the TV show ended and they were going to like as they did with End of the Effing World they were going to like come up with totally new material for the second season and I guess I'll just never know what it was supposed to be But it is really cool. And the whole show, the episodes are really short. It's only a couple hours long to watch the entire show. So Mm -hmm. despite the disappointing um, non-renewal, I do recommend it. It's funny. The the end of the FXXXing world, um, (laughs) as it's styled, uh, has an ending. And then they brought yeah. it back for a second season. It's like, but didn't that end? And they're like, eh, no, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So this is a, a quite a turnabout here. Quite a turnabout here. All right. There, there are more pandemic one season wonders, uh, second oh, season yes. revoked out there on the board, including one on my list. So mm-hmm. I suspect we'll be getting to more of them soon but at least that one's on netflix so you can watch it and enjoy it it didn't disappear beneath the sea like some like the man from atlantis <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
Oh, James! The tapes. James, amaze us with the how like a four four episode season, and then it was out. I don't know. See, I, w- I was going to go that. I've I've got a number in my back pocket, but since nobody picked this, Dan started to say a cop show with a twist, and I was convinced that he had sniped me immediately. Uh, but no, this is a slightly different twist. I am picking almost human from created by joel wyman who was a writer showrunner and fringe um carl urban plays judge dread no he plays <laughs> kennex who is a gruff future cop who hates robots more than anything else because he's got a robot leg or something who ends up with a new partner, Dorian, played by Michael Ely, who is one very attractive robot. Um, (gasps) Over a course of 13 episodes, they sort of solve sci-fi crimes, question what it means to be alive and fall in love. Well, no, actually, they just uncover a deep conspiracy, which then goes absolutely nowhere because they got cancelled. Why was it cancelled? Well, it was on Fox and, you know, Fox just cancelled things Mm -hmm. uh, at that point. It was an expensive show. Yeah, I mean, it was like low ratings, I think, was the main thing, and expensive production design. Uh, but, you know, in some ways, it was it came just off the back of the Dread movie, and it's a, somewhat close to the promised Judge Dread Mega City 1 TV series, which they keep talking about happening, and I think it will never happen. And Carl Urban is busy with the boys right now. But I really like that show, and... I was just so annoyed when it got cancelled and we never found out exactly why things were happening. Yeah, because there's a whole underlying mythology that they were setting up. But, yeah, you know, 13 episodes there, you never really got to it. But this is a classic, you know, you, there's the classic cop, not a cop premise. And this is mm-hmm. this is human, not a human, but they're both cops, which is a nice twist. I enjoyed it. It's, it started kind of slow, but I feel like it definitely was one of those shows that picked up steam yep. as it went along. Yes. And it got it got more comfortable with like what it was about. But Michael Ely was great in that. And every time I see him in something now, I'm like, I'm almost human. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah, they had a very like uh, dread like city with a wall yeah and yeah. then you know and then outside that city there was there was something an atomic wasteland probably. yeah there's a whole what's the deal with the wall right yeah, but nobody yeah. but they didn't actually talk oh, we about don't it. talk about the wall no <laughs> i liked that part of urban's uh personality as kennex was he was just really into a good bowl of noodles yeah. he, he repeatedly <laughs> was going to this one side of town just to get the noodles because they were that good yeah well uh blade runner-y uh, there uh james you picked an american show i'm disappointed in yep. you and uh it's erica's turn we'll see what happens here <laughs> you know i almost opted out of this episode because i had so few things to put on my list but then i looked at the list of other panelists and i hoped no actually i knew that most of the picks would be things that i had never even heard of uh, because i think i've actually like i only know of one and a half of the shows that have already been picked all right half uh one and a half well because i i feel like i've heard of almost human like i, I have vague human part or the almost right. part. <laughs> the almost part. <laughs> the, she's almost the carl urban part actually. you've nearly heard of almost human so you've heard of like a quarter of a human not to be confused exactly. with yep. being human that's just math um but uh but yeah so i was figured you know what my really obvious vanilla picks 
probably won't have gotten picked by the time it comes around to me. And I am super delighted to say that that is the case. Though The one that was number one on my list that I was very excited about picking uh, is still on the board. And uh, it is a show that was uh, co-executive produced by Tim Minear. You may have heard Mm of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a little show called Wonderfalls, which is (laughs) one of my favorites. (laughs) It is a rare example of me jumping onto a show as it started because I just randomly happened to catch the uh, the very first episode and fell in love with it right there. Um, it's a show about a character named Jay Tyler, who is just a very, very intelligent Gen Xer who is totally not living up to her potential. She graduated, graduated from, I think, Brown. She lives in a trailer park. She works at a tchotchke shop on the U.S. side of Niagara Falls. Yep. The shop is called Wonder Falls. Um, however, she is actually a French-Canadian. She's from Montreal, the actress who plays her. And it was shot in Ontario. Um, but uh, over the course of this first episode, you know, she's just this, you know, very much disaffected youth type person. And some of the tchotchkes in the shop uh, and occasionally things like the face on a quarter or a monkey statue in her therapist's office start talking to her and telling her to do things. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the cases where she doesn't do those things, very bad things happen. Mm. Um, Only four episodes aired before they canceled it. And I was heartbroken. I literally wrote an actual paper letter to Fox to complain <laughs> that they had canceled the show. Um, Dear Mr. Fox. Yeah. It, uh, Not so fantastic, did... are you? <laughs> no. uh, unfortunately, uh, my, my letter, my, my heartfelt letter did not bring the show back. But since they had already shot the whole season, they did eventually bring it out on DVD, and I bought that sucker like the moment Same. it came out. Same. I bought it uh-huh. day one. Yep, yeah. and uh, it's one of the few uh, DVDs that I kept when I moved from the US to Canada because I loved it so much. I will say um, that I haven't rewatched it in a while, and I seem to just like remembering back to where it goes in later episodes. I feel like it may not have had the most. Uh, light touch with its treatment of indigenous characters, which is something that I am much more attuned to now, especially having moved to Canada where racism against indigenous people is super rampant. Um, (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, so I'm going to do a rewatch one of these days and I feel like I will be watching it through a slightly different lens. Um, But I do remember really, really loving this main character. I thought that um, Caroline Devernis was just amazing, but it also had like other people in it that later on I would see them and be like, "Holy crap! Yeah. Like that's Lee Pace, Pace is yeah. that guy from yeah. Wonder Falls? Like I know him yeah. as the brother." I was going to um, say, you know, they they canceled this show, but that's okay because Brian Fuller, like three years later, did Pushing Daisies, which is right. its tonal, almost tonal match, I, uh, maybe the closest thing bef- to it. Before this did Dead Like Me, which also oh, right. is kind right. of like yeah. this show. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then he did Hannibal, which is nothing like no. Hannibal. No. <laughs> and now he, he just, started a bunch yeah. of other shows. And now and he just gets them. hired and quits <laughs> things. Yeah, it's strange. Oh my God. Wow. Cancel me. I'll cancel you. <laughs> the thing I loved about Dead Like Me, Wonderfalls, and Pushing Daisies is they all have a very similar uh, style and tone to Thorne Smith who wrote oh. the Topper books and Nightlife of the Gods, where Greek statues come to life, uh, which is basically Mannequin and One Touch of Venus. They ripped it <laughs> off from him. And and Turnabout, which all the Freaky Friday body-switching things, those are all from Thorne Smith. Right. And, and it's that same sort of whimsical, supernatural, sometimes naughty, but always always a good story. Mm-hmm. And if, if you like, like, I 
watched all of Dead Like Me and enjoyed it fine. And I watched a little bit of Pushing Daisies and it just didn't hit home for me. So I stopped watching yeah. it. So if you tried those and didn't really love them and that's making you think maybe I shouldn't watch Wonder Falls, I think it's still worth checking out because Wonder Falls has, I don't know, it just to me it had an edge to it that the other shows didn't didn't have. She's very, like the main character is just like, especially at the time, she spoke to me because I was, you know, a, a college graduate from like a big, big 10 school. And I can't remember where exactly I was working at the time, but it was like a piddly office job. I was not using my degree for anything. I just, I, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I was spending my evenings going out to bars and seeing bands and just drinking. So yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, it worked for me on many, many and levels. I think the secret ingredient is Tim Minear because the other two shows he had nothing to do with. This is the one that I always come back to. Yeah, it's just delightful. And I, this, this pushing, is the one that didn't get a second season. So. Right. Yeah. Pushing Daisies has exactly one joke that made me laugh, which is brilliant, yeah. and it's in the background. All right. Yeah. Um, so I'm David. very happy that I got that. David, it's your choice. It's my choice. Well, I'm. Knowing this crowd, I'm kind of surprised this show is still on the board. So oh, I'm gonna please, I'm gonna go David. for it. No, David. Um, although there are two <laughs> that I'm not going to touch that I, I suspect are still on still on someone's list. So I'm I have a be guess, good. and I'm curious to see if I'm right. Let's go Let's for say it, David. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Tim Minear had nothing to do with it, so I'll give that up. <laughs> and it's not something that was canceled because of COVID, which I think is I think I know what the other show is. Um, no, this is one of my favorite shows in the last 15 years that got one season. It actually got its season shortened by one episode because of bad ratings. You're never going to tell us what it is, are you? Wow. It's the middleman. Do- I was man. literally going to say it. Yeesh. Uh, uh, man. It's the hey, middleman. I've, I've heard of that. You know, it is. The closest thing American TV has come to having its own kind of Doctor Who, like a really strange group that fights these supernatural things. You don't ever know his real name. He's just the middleman. He has a female companion. He has a know-it-all robot. And insane things go on in every episode. But it's, it's all the touches around them. Right. It's it's the there's always this uh, time and location code in every scene, which grows progressively more ridiculous with each with each iteration. Uh, You have commentary on the fact that this is a ridiculous pulp comedy, Uh, but they're also good stories. Um, And you have Sensei Ping, who is one of my favorite, favorite martial arts artists. Um, he's also played by Mark Dacascos, who played Wofat on Hawaii Five O and the chairman on Iron Chef America. And I kind of like to think they're all the same person. <laughs> That's my headcanon. Um, this this was just a delightful show. And it was on ABC Family, where it didn't belong. There was nothing else like it on the network. Everything else was separated by birth. And, oh, high school kids doing this and that. And suddenly insane comic book pop culture thing it blew my mind recently when i realized that the uh actor who played noser is jake smollett who is the brother of journey smollett from lovecraft country and jesse smollett from empire it's like that is a heck of a family there there's like five or six siblings i think yeah they they, and they all sing and they Mm. were on a sitcom that also only ran one season (laughs) that's right 
Mm. So, I'm but not, yeah, I'm not it, saying no. I'm foreshadowing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Middleman's a really good show, uh, and it's just it is a damn shame that it did not. There is like really there are is. multiple completion. Like there's a comic. It was based on a comic. Then they made an adaptation, the graphic novel that like followed it up. And then I believe there was also. I think I also have like the script that they did a crowdfunding for that was like the like last episode. Um, well, so, it's, yeah, it's the actual it's... last episode, and then they did a table reading of it for charity, which is on the DVD, the complete DVD, which yeah. is – it's actually a lovely package. And the show's creator, uh, Javier Grillo Marshwatch, did a uh, yeah. uh, tweet the other week that was basically – uh, it feels like this is the perfect show to revive on Disney Plus. How about it? <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> yeah. is. He's not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've met Javi. He's is... super nice. Yep. Oh, he's 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 just never watched this show though. Nah, oh great. my god, watch oh, the Erica, show. You would like watch it. The show. I bet I would. I would I bet love I would. it. You would love it. Middleman, it's a good um, show. Yeah. All right, uh, Cicero, it's your turn. Oh man, so uh, poor Cicero. I, I've like I've been hearing Cicero <laughs> going. Oh, no, no, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, Jason, uh, I, I'm a big fan of big boards. Uh-huh. Um, and on my big board, it's it's actually a small board. Mm. Only nine shows on my small board. My bottom two, uh, let uh, shows on my list were almost human. And middleman, oh. uh, so they are off the board. But my number one show is is still on the board. It probably will upset a bunch of people on this panel. It will <laughs> delight lots of people in this draft. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Fox as a broadcast network uh-huh. has done a lot of good and a lot of bad to fans of this particular genre. The genre, of course, is space sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a show, and they took that show, and they moved it around, and the show could never find an audience. And the audience that it did find was always frustrated because they never knew when that show was on. And you just described was, 12 different shows. Yeah, I know. I've got three of them open in my More window. specific, please. Did, yeah. did all of them start on yeah. Friday nights oh, at 8? Oh, my God. Yes, oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. Cisco's going gonna to pick. VR5, I can't believe it. It's right. going to be <laughs> Harsh Realm. Harsh Realm. I right. heard that realm. one too. Harsh Realm. Come on, Harsh Realm. Briscoe so, County. Yeah. So, um this particular show um really if you if you loved Battlestar Galactica, you also loved this show. Um and this show was space above and beyond. Oh, you sniped me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard of that one too. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, space space above and beyond. So all the all of the shows on my list um are shows that did not have a natural ending. Right. For uh for that for the series. And uh we were eagerly awaiting the the goodness that was the upcoming seasons mm-hmm. uh space above and beyond was exactly one of those shows um this show was about a interstellar war um that was localized to this one marine group uh this one like company of marines that were fighting this force that invaded our solar system the chigs and um and just it was basically a war story set in space with 
awesome effects for 1995 and a great story. Great story, great acting, really great performances. And and it just couldn't find an audience because Fox didn't know what to do with it. And we we wound up suffering for it. But uh, I suffer no longer because I own the box set. <laughs> so I'm able to uh, en- enjoy uh, people uh, making replacement curse words on, on television <laughs> and calling things chig, which which hurts my soul every time they say it. So, um, it, yeah, the space above and beyond. Yeah. This is one of those shows Very that was good. also part of the, um, Fox was emboldened by the uh, initial success of the X files. And so they wanted to make other shows that would be X files like with the, right. a, and they tried a bunch, including right. my aforementioned VR five, which was contemporaneous with this. But this was one of the ones that was done by producers. This is by Morgan and Wong, who were the, right. who were two of the mm-hmm. best writers on the X files. And they went off and made this, um, a lot of re- really interesting actors in this too, especially as the kind of like older, um, like mentor figures. Uh, it's very, uh, Forever War, Joe Haldeman kind of vibe uh, yes. at, at points, yeah. mm. you yeah. know, or or um, if you want, um, Starship Troopers, but like right. really interesting and um and yeah, I mean, special effects for the time, like it was very expensive. They're they're not great, but they were really ambitious to to do a show like this. And it is, it, I I remember watching and and really liking this. But uh, like all like most of those attempts that Fox made to replicate the genre success of of the X Files, it didn't, it was a very- didn't go. Very fine, a very creepy show, which I think was difficult. I mean, X Files was creepy, obviously, but it was hard right. to um, replicate that kind of space feeling. It was it was more like Alien in some ways, but not quite as gruesome. And I remember even the um, the android life forms at some point in the season they uh, reference it's like oh they just basically act arbitrarily like they just kind of lost their bearings whatever control chips they had and so one one of the uh, soldiers has survived she doesn't know why and she asks David Duchovny making a guest appearance as a silicon life form uh, why and he's like we rolled the dice and that's how it came up you're like oh that's like worse than than like no we're just we're evil or something history's greatest acting robot David Duchovny exactly Uh, yeah, so this this show, if it were made today, would would have gone two seasons because it got twenty yeah. it has twenty three episodes. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's one really long season for today, but uh, one really great show that uh, should we should have seen more of. Yep, good one. Applaud you. All right, I'm gonna uh, round out the first round, and then I think we'll do one more round. Uh, so get ready, prepare yourselves emotionally for that. <laughs> one more, oh, Jesus. No. <laughs> and, and uh i'm gonna choose something so one of my favorite movies and i kind of can't believe we haven't done it on this podcast yet but we will eventually there is this great movie starring george clooney and uh jennifer lopez mm-hmm. called out of sight <laughs> directed by yeah. steven soderbergh fantastic oh, yeah. movie and you think to yourself wow i wish they made more movies like this and my answer is well they don't but they made a tv show of this Starring the fantastic Carla Gugino as Karen Sisko, Jennifer Lopez's character from that book and from the novels of Elmore Leonard. It was on ABC. It lasted 10 episodes and they canceled it. It's Karen Sisko. It's great. It was, uh, you know, fantastic. It, it, it is. It is a, uh, in fact, another show that might come up in this draft. Um, very similar to this and similarly on ABC and similarly canceled after one season. Um, Carla Gugino is great. 
the character is great the elmore leonard setting in in um florida uh where you know karen has to track down fugitives and there's kind of the seamy underbelly of society and she has to work in the you know her her dad helps her and gives her advice because he's like a pi um and it, Robert Forrester and, as her dad. And it's Robert Forrester, yeah. It oh. you know, it it's a really great show and uh, I'm a little bit baffled other than the fact that it was like uh up against Law and Order or something and they like they put yeah. it against the buzzsaw and that was the end of it, but like it is an excellent show. Uh this is the kind of show idea that you look at now and think if they if they had been in a streaming era I think this thing would have been actually kind of a wild success, but in the era era of network television, it didn't find an audience. It was maybe a little bit too genre, a little bit too specific in its quirkiness uh, to get a broad network audience, and it's too bad because uh, I love it. It's great. So, Karen Cisco. All right, let me take a break from the draft to tell you about our sponsor this week. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Woven the all-in-one calendar that's perfect for busy people my entire life, even though now I'm on my own and I don't have all sorts of people trying to set up meetings with me. The fact is, everything I do is scheduled and planned and I have calendar events for all of it. If I don't know what I'm doing next, if I haven't planned, if I have eight choices to make and any of them would be okay, oh, it all falls apart for me very quickly. I don't like that feeling. Using a great calendar can be a way to get your workflow in order and let you do your work smoothly. Woven syncs all your calendars in one place, including Google, G Suite, and Microsoft 365 accounts, so you can see all of your time, both personal and professional, in one place. Woven builds scheduling links directly into your calendar, so you can use one-off scheduling links, quickly book time, block out your week, using Woven smart templates so you can plan the perfect week. There is built-in analytics so you can easily calculate where you spend your time so you can make time for what matters most. you got to check this out. Take control of your calendar and improve your workflow. And as a listener to The Incomparable, you can try Woven free for 21 days, three whole weeks of scheduling inside Woven. Go to woven.com, W-O-V-E-N.com, or click the link in the show notes. That's Woven. Dot com. Thank you, Woven, for supporting The Incomparable. Uh, okay, that is one round in the books. That's 11 One Season Wonders. Let's go for 11 more, and then we'll wrap it up. Moises, it's back to you. Well, uh, not knowing whether we were doing two rounds or three rounds, I'm, I'm, I'm shifting my order because there's no way somebody's going to pick the other one, and I'll throw it in my bring out the dead. Uh, but uh, being in this position at the top of the draft, mm. uh, I would be remiss uh, to not choose one of my favorite shows of the 90s. Uh, which was not just behind the eight ball. It was behind four different eight balls because it was up against Mad About You and Friends and Martin and Living Single. And in in an era where shows about teens uh, often had too much of an after-school special kind of vibe, uh, didn't really look at teen life uh, in a way that was that was considered realistic to those of us who were actual hashtag teens at the time, um, my so-called life on ABC uh, gave gave a, a window into the actual lives of of realistic teenagers um, for uh, for what felt like the first time. Uh, it was like a revelation. You had the completely unlikable dirtbag that she should not be with, Jordan Catalano, um, played by Jared Leto. 
Um, you have the, uh, the friend who doesn't get it that like take the hint from the girl if she's not interested, uh, Brian Krakow. And of course our lead performance, the star making turn, uh, for, for Claire Danes, um, the, the, the show was, was, was a revelation, uh, you know, a best friend with issues of her own, uh, Rayanne, uh, from my so-called life, still an icon, uh, to me when it comes to the teen genre. Um, and, uh, among the most important, uh, characters in TV history to me, uh, Ricky Vasquez played by Wilson Cruz, uh, who I, you know, the, the credit is that it was the first gay teenager on television. Um, but to me, it was, I mean, I, I know that it was the first time that I saw something that wasn't like coded a certain way. And it was representing um, people that I knew. It was representing uh, people of an ethnic extraction uh, that, that I am a part of that um, was always massively stereotyped in various ways. Uh, I, I cannot, I cannot um, underestimate, uh, I cannot overestimate rather, uh, how important a show My So-Called Life was and what an injustice it is that we only got 19 episodes of it. Claire Danes had to go be a movie star, though. Like, you weren't going to hold her down to a TV show long. I, he says, looking at her homeland. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is, uh, there are, there are two shows that I think are the definitive one season wonders, one of which has now been chosen. It's mm. my so-called life. The other one's still out there. I mean, maybe, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> maybe everybody's just already got it. We've referenced it, uh, without naming it a lot of times. That's fine. Um, it it's gets the a Phil lot. Hartman of one. It gets. Wonders. It gets. A, well, it was. It literally was the the Phil Hartman pick in episode fifty five. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's there if somebody wants to talk about it. But this is the other one, right? This is the, the you look at it and you think. And at the time, I'm you know I'm sure it made sense at the time to cancel it, but it was even even then there was a lot of complaint about it. But it just looked worse and worse with every passing month after yeah. they canceled it and you realized what it meant to people and who was in it and the power that it had and uh and so it's it's a hall of famer i think moises in terms of I, I, one season wonders yeah i for, for me uh it is it is the one that i mean claire danes is done with homeland now um crazier things have happened than than the notion of reviving this and having her again play angela chase my so-called and adulthood she, but as a mom, and, well, and she's not she's not the kid this time. Not even necessarily she needs to be a mom because not every woman on TV needs to be a mom, uh, uh, you know, or or the three other archetypes that that seem to be foisted on them by by network TV even to this day. Um, but yeah, I just I want the continuing adventures of Angela Chase. All right, uh, I've heard of this one. <laughs> Yay, America. Good job. Um, that young man grew up to be the Joker. <laughs> I watched one episode Cesar of it. Romero? But not that Joker. Cesar Romero? Monty, your choice. Uh, Jason, I would like to explore what it means to pick something in a draft. Okay. Oh, here we go. <laughs> it's time. See, a lot of people assume that it means this is your favorite thing, but it usually isn't. Like, a lot of times I'll pick something just because it's something I have something to say about, sure. or just nebulously, I want this thing on my team. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm picking Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. Not, wow. not only have I heard of that, that's, it's on my list. That's yeah. Mon Monty, that is a needle threaded so perfectly. Now, this was a bad show. Let's yeah. be clear about that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, Quite when it, agreed. Yeah. Although uh, I, would, I would argue... Uh, a, a pretty good pilot 
And then... As you may remember, mm, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip and 30 Rock came out the same season on the same network, and they were both behind the scenes of a show very much like Saturday Night Live. The difference was that 30 Rock was behind the show behind the scenes of a bad show and Studio 60 was behind oh. the scenes of a brilliant show. An ostensibly <laughs> brilliant show. A, a show that we were constantly told <laughs> was genius, was blowing everyone's mind and then you'd see clips of the sketches they were things like Peripheral Vision Man and they kept talking about this super edgy sketch called Crazy Christians. Um, mm-hmm. It was so ponderously self-serious that by the end of the first and only season, they were dealing with kidnappings and going to Afghanistan, and it was so, so bad, and I loved it <laughs> so much, and I want a dozen more seasons of people delivering oh. monologues about how hard it is to write terrible comedy while your brother is in the middle of a field in Afghanistan. <laughs> I want Aaron Sorkin to work out his grudges in public on this show, the goofiest possible place. I want a world where my podcast, Podcast 60 on the Podcast Strip, could actually have launched because anyone would have listened to it. I will do that show with you in a heartbeat. Do you want a show in which Ed Asner's character completely changes every opinion and his entire behavior in the course of four episodes? Because I can give you that show already. Sure. there. That was amazing. It was such a weird show. And there were good things about it because Aaron Sorkin can write a speech. But it was just ludicrous. But Aaron Sorkin also knows absolutely nothing about writing sketch comedy or performing sketch comedy. I know. I've read Live from New York. So I I know that this you can have one unappreciated genius write a 90-minute comedy show every week. But Aaron Sorkin thinks you can. Oh, it was such a nonsense show. (laughs) I will say... Matthew Perry and Bradley Whitford almost sell it. They're yeah, that good. I like, There's I like good that. acting. And yeah. then occasionally you'll just have to deal with the fact that he's also got a character who is the greatest sketch comedy woman of all time. But mm-hmm. also she can't tell a joke or count because she's an Aaron Sorkin <laughs> female character. <laughs> so, and she's and, just there to, because he's mad at Christian Chenoweth for breaking up with him. So the thing that bothered me about it is the is is because th- this is full of all of Aaron Sorkin's uh, axe grinding that he wants to do. Everyone who's wronged him in show business. <laughs> no, so, no, no. He he held on to some for the Steve Jobs movie. So um, so <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Reno and Ron Osborne. Uh, were writers on the West Wing, I believe, and they and he and I think they won an Emmy with him, and he feels like they didn't deserve it because he brought the genius, <laughs> oh and they God. were just the hacks who were there to oh the stenographers to write down his genius, and they I think filed a union grievance, and they said publicly that Aaron Sorkin was taking credit for their work, and these guys they worked on Moonlighting, they had been in the in the business a long time, and then in Studio sixty, there's this arrogant writer character named Ricky Tahoe, which is just <laughs> Ron, you know Ron Jeff Reno, Reno, Jeff Reno, Ron Osborne, smash them together, Ricky. Well, no, it's he There's has he has a partner. Them, yeah. There's Ricky yeah, Ron and Ron Oswald. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So I mean, it is, and they're they're awful. They and it script. is you can just literally see Aaron Sorkin like, whoa, I got him now. And uh, that there, it's there is a it, lot. It was of, so infuriating. There is a lot of collective yeah. knowledge about this terrible show. Oh, oh. in the first <laughs> episode, in order to yeah. convey what a genius their main writer is, he says we have to do frat boy comedy. And you know who did the best frat boy comedy ever? Gilbert and Sullivan. And then to blow everyone's comedy minds, they do a modern major general parody. The <laughs> latest, most obvious thing anyone's ever done. Oh. 
Well, you so know what? Good. I think the thing that helped me enjoy this show so much is that I don't actually like sketch comedy. I didn't really watch Saturday Night Live. I kind of hate it. So all of that stuff went completely over my head. I didn't care that these sketches were terrible because I think all sketch comedy is terrible. I didn't know about any of these accents Aaron Sorkin had to grind because I didn't pay attention to that stuff. So I just enjoyed the acting in the completely overblown plots. I thought it was fantastic. If it's not clear, I, you, I also think it's fantastic. I love You're this here. show I think so I felt like I felt like it improved to a certain degree once it got like through uh, the end of the season again it embraces how ridiculous and overstretched it is in the same way that i feel like later seasons of the west wing you know they also sort of ramped everything up i get it it's more serious in the white house than it is on a comedy show but at least it was entertaining and they did bring in some amusing like side characters but like mark mckinney shows up for a while and i actually really <laughs> enjoy mark mckinney on that show but you, you remember know. that scene and- where sting plays a lute <laughs> yeah. 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 yes <laughs> Yes, I do. My favorite one was the the little old lady who swallowed a fly. Where they get was it snakes, mongoose, wolf, and they're <laughs> yes. tearing up the yes. set. Do you remember that yes. was I was yeah. bonkers. Out the very yeah. Things, yeah. yeah, and I will say axes aside, and and even even knowing you know, hey, I've liked Jeff and Ron before. To this day, whenever I see something that is badly written, I think, oh, it's a Ricky and Ron show. <laughs> so it's stuck. Mm, see, plenty even, of things to even, say about this show. Even, yeah. though, even, though Erica, even though Erica has has made me her new nemesis by declaring a hatred of sketch comedy and everything it represents, <laughs> I also agree with her in the, the show, as ridiculous it is, as off base as it is, uh, in, in terms of, of verisimilitude to actual sketch comedy writing and, and, and programs and so on. It's incredibly entertaining, partly because of how uh, completely whacked out like the whole show exists because Aaron Sorkin's ego was able to will it into existence <laughs> and yeah. that in and of That's itself true. makes makes it contextually fascinating yeah. um, <laughs> beyond the fact that 30 Rock had the complete inverse of its level of success so um, so what we've and, learned and here is they were some people enjoy looking at the dumpster fire um, Phil it's your choice <laughs> Sorry, I was roasting a pork shoulder. Um, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna change gears a bit and pick a show that people actually like. Um, we'll allow it. It feels pretty I'm, good, Phil. Try it on for size. I'm gonna go with Police Squad, 19. 19- oh, yeah, yeah. Six, yeah. in color. Epi- just ran for six episodes, but let me tell you. What six episodes? It, oh, it, they're um, brilliant. Yeah, no, it's it 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 had it had recurring jokes. It had celebrity guest stars who died in the opening credits and were never heard from again. It had the at the end of every episode they would recount everyone they've arrested so far. Except <laughs> since ABC aired the shows out of order, the joke made no sense. Oh, um, uh, yeah. It had a. In the cast was a guy playing Abraham Lincoln who would return fire at John Wilkes Booth. It, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, it was it, Rex Hamilton yes, as Abraham Rex, Lincoln. Rex Hamilton as Abraham oh. Lincoln. It was just an insane show. And I'm 10 years old and I, I was watching it going, you can't, this can't happen on yeah. television. And it could, but just only for six episodes because ABC canceled it. At which point it became a successful motion picture franchise called The Naked Gun. So it what? It became The Naked Gun and got progressively worse with yes. each film. But yeah. I and, prefer and, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. I prefer to remember the the six episodes, which were great. Yep. And also Those... John Belushi was going to be a uh, celebrity guest star who died, oh. and then he actually died. And they, they destroyed the footage. <laughs> Method acting. 
William we, Conrad, we should all freeze at the end of this episode because we have a yeah. Oh, in the freeze frame at the end of every episode, the coffee yes. cup bit. The Except for the, one person who yeah. ne- never understood that they were supposed to freeze frame. Once it was a chimp. And that could be explained. The chimp would just jump around, but no, it, every 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 episode in that is golden. And there's so so airplane was basically skinned from a movie called Zero Hour, mm-hmm. and a and lot of the is, episodes Squad. A lot of the episodes you can watch them side by side with M Squad, and and, and Leslie Nielsen is just doing Lee Marvin, and it's but it's brilliant. And 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 the other uh, just great recurring gag is that each episode would have like uh, one of those ponderous titles like dawn of justice or some such thing except the narrator would read a different title exactly yeah. the, yeah. the one title of... would appear on the screen and the narrator would call it something else well um phil you were the first person to pick something that was on my list <laughs> damn it phil <laughs> so thank you for that uh glenn it's your choice Oh my gosh. Well, okay. It's time for me to, to go very unbranded. I'm going to pick Fine Gravity. Define Gravity. Sorry. I, there's a false start there. Not the one you were thinking of. Um, <laughs> what, I what a way show. to duplicate yourself from episode 55. Exactly. I was going <laughs> to reveal this was something I picked before. But um, what's uh, Define Gravity is uh, over, I think, it's 15 years ago now. I thought it was uh, an amazingly shot science fiction show that um, cut through some of the tropes and introduced all kinds of new tropes. And in fact, um, I don't want to take anything away from The Expanse, which I think is both, I think the series is extremely well-written. Um, you know, it tapers off for me a little towards the end, for sure. But the TV show is exquisitely, you know, I think I liked the first season fine and it got, you know, better and better. Um, so I don't want to take anything away from The Expanse, but I think uh, there is some DNA from ironically, from uh, Defying Gravity and Expanse because it had a an overarching uh, plot that encompassed kind of a, a both an Earth-based conspiracy, uh, glowing alien orbs, and some kind of solar system or galactic thing going on that these people were pawns in and gradually became uh, developed an understanding as astronauts taking a grand tour of planets that uh, – that they were stuck in something of not of their own making. And um, they'd actually apparently plotted out the whole run. And uh, one of the producers or um, sort of the uh, creator uh, at some point revealed the whole thing. So you can just kind of find out how it ended, which is sort of nice because they're never going to make an expensive show like this. Once it was canceled, it was gone. Um, but I, uh, I still think it's one of the best one season didn't live long enough uh, shows of its kind. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't even heard of it. It's Canadian co-production, Erica. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I got to check this out. Cost a lot of money, had uh, Ron Livingston and um, some other reasonably well-known people yeah. in it, including, yeah, it's a good, uh, I think okay. it was a good, and, good show. And picked by Glenn in episode 55, but that's okay because yeah. that the, these don't interact in any way. You can pick shows from that list on yeah. this list, and we have had I, a I just, few of them. I, th- I think it's hilarious that, that, Glenn, that Glenn copies himself. I that's have a right. bunch of the things that I picked on my... <laughs> <laughs> from episode 55 I, on my list. I just haven't I gone could, there yet. What's funny is we could all have picked I, the, the Space Above and Beyond was actually, I was sniped because that was, uh, Cicero, I thought your choice was excellent because I think that had a much grittier and better feel. Like, Fine Gravity was a very clean, like sort of crisp. Yes. Grey's Anatomy is, in Space was the element yeah. <laughs> for Fine Gravity. <laughs> that's, Seriously. That's good. But I thought it was, I thought it was clever. Uh, Dan, your choice. Um. Yeah, I, you know, I had a lot on my list that, you know, kind of fit a similar genre. And I'm going to go back to the one that made me first familiar with the whole idea of a show that was canceled, even though I really liked it. 
and I'm not sure anybody else saw it. It's from the late 90s. And I, uh, unsurprising to anybody on this, or probably anybody listening, I love spy shows. Um, <laughs> and there was a spy show from 1997 that aired on ABC for 13 episodes called Spy Game. Yes! Which was huh. um, produced in part and created by the Raimis, Ivan Raimi and Sam Raimi, as well as John McNamara, who I look and see is now an EP on The Magicians. Um, and essentially, it was sort of your classic um, mismatched pair of spies played by uh, Lyndon Ashby. And uh, Allison Smith, who uh, many people probably know as Leo's daughter on the West Wing, as well as I think she was one of the daughters on Kate and Alley as well. Um, mm. And essentially, the idea was they recruit this older spy who's, you know, out of the game after the fall of the Soviet Union to come in and work at this agency that sort of has to, like, oversee all the, like, spies that are running around in this, you know, uh, new open world for espionage. And he gets partnered with this young woman who is, like, you know, super technical and, like, knows all the new stuff. But he's, like, an old school uh, spy. And so you sort of have that new and old friction. One of the things I loved about it is that the um, the conceit behind Lyndon Ashby's character, whose name is Lauren Cash, uh, was that he is an expert at fighting with improvised objects, which was just kind of hilarious and weird. Like, he would just fight with, like, random anything that was around, like, break off chair legs or just use anything as a weapon, essentially. Um, it was... Char- I remember it being charming. I have not seen it in more than 20 years, uh, but I remember being sorely disappointed that it got canceled because it was a lot of fun. I did recently dig up the uh, opening credits uh, on YouTube, which are out there, and I think some of the episodes are on YouTube as well. And it was kind of, you know, full of homages to things like The Avengers and The Man from Uncle. Uh, apparently, the opening credits were even a parody of The Avengers credits. And a bunch of people from other spy shows showed up as guest stars like Patrick McNee and Robert Culp. Um, and it was just, I remember it being a lot of fun. Apparently, there are several episodes that never even aired, um, which now I kind of want to go back and watch all of this. And uh, yeah, I feel like. Uh, fun spy shows tend not to last, and I had at least two others on my list that I didn't wow. get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was this was a fun show. I ate this up when it aired. I was angry when it didn't come back. Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't even. I think they aired nine out of thirteen episodes or yeah. something, and it's like. Yeah. This was the first time I remember as like a 17 year old being like, "Wait, I want it. How do I get more of this?" <laughs> But now they burn, they didn't even burn them off. Didn't even have the dignity to burn them off. Uh, Amazing. Such for the '90s. Nowadays, yeah. you just throw it on a streaming service and be done with it. Yep. All right, spy game is chosen. Uh, Quinn, it's your turn. This is the pick that I actually signed up to be on this episode for. It's this really random niche comedy called The Class. Oh yes. So All this right. was a sitcom from 2006. Um, the premise of the show is that a uh, third grade, a third grade class, twenty years later, is reunited for some kind of elaborate engagement plan by one of the people who wants to propose to his girlfriend, who he, like met in this third grade class. But it turns out that they're not on the same page of their relationship at all. This engagement does not go through, and then the rest of the 19 episodes of the show are following these characters of this now they're all messed up adults and they have various relationships with each other they're all reunited and hijinks ensue yeah john bernthal's on the show uh, the yeah, jason ritter was yeah, Kaplan. jason ritter yeah yeah jason, yeah yeah it's a, it's actually a pretty good cast. It's Jesse Tyler Ferguson um is very young in it and it's <laughs> 
the only reason I even know this show exists is because my parents happened to see it at when it was on in 2006 and loved it. And then it disappeared. It was canceled. It's like impossible to find now. Um, but they managed to get it on DVD. And then I watched it a few years ago. And it's hilarious. It's it's a very low budget sitcom, but it is very funny. Um, and there are a couple lines in here that like my family quotes to each other all the time because they are just golden scenes. And although I don't, I literally don't know like where you can get this. I think it's probably available for, for purchase somewhere, but it is really funny. And it, it was another one that was canceled on a cliffhanger. Right. <laughs> <No>. oh. <laughs> the worst. Right. Uh, CBS canceled it. This was a CBS show and replaced it with uh, The Big Bang Theory. So they <laughs> laughed all the I way to the bank. For them. Yeah, <laughs> what do they know? All <laughs> the way to the bank. It is It is available for purchase digitally. Yeah. Nice. Okay. The That's class. great. <laughs> all right. James, your turn. Well, I, I had lots of backups here because I figured that most of my main picks would have gone by now and they haven't. Um, so I've got like a choice of a good four here. Um, so do you want obscure British or do you want mainstream American? Obscure British. Obscure, obscure British, British please. please for a hundred. Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's why you're here, James. That's <laughs> yeah. your reason. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're doing this on a weekend morning, James, is for <laughs> obscure <laughs> British. James, James, if you had Garth Marenghi's dark place, then I'll leave it <laughs> off of my bring out your dad. I, no, I knew I, I, I it. I thought that was what you were talking about in Slack, and I thought I'd leave that one for you. It was. <laughs> um, but, okay, well, it's now wrote down to three of my British ones. I am going to pick a series from 1987 called Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. Ah, um, yes. Okay. I have heard of that. Um, you know, I figured I would pick something that people wouldn't actually believe was a real TV show. Um, so it was written by Ben Elton, who was one of the writers of Blackadder and The Young Ones. And the show was on when I was 14 or so. And as such, I thought it was hilarious. Um, it is a satire of British show business starring three quarters of The Young Ones cast. Uh, Rick Mayle plays a talentless C-list uh, TV personality. Adrian Edmondson is his friend, in quotes, and violent minder. Uh, and Nigel Planer is his alcoholic agent. Uh, it is almost 90% violence and jokes about bottoms, much like most of their later show, Bottom. Um, <laughs> there's guest say. appearances from the likes of Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie and just about everyone on British television at the time. Um, I watched a bit of it earlier, and I'm not sure that A, it really holds up, or B, is in any way broadcastable today. Um, <laughs> there were some very dubious jokes within the first episode and the murder of a milkman. Uh, wow. Uh, it appeared like three years or so after The Young Ones finished, which is far superior. Uh, but, you know, everybody wanted just a third series of The Young Ones, and clearly the uh, actors didn't. Uh, I have a lot of fondness for the cast, which is why it was in my memory. Uh, so, yeah, I don't recommend it, but it got cancelled <laughs> after one season. All right. Filthy, filthy Rich Very and fine. Cat Flap. Very fine. Thank you, James. You have fulfilled the, why we invited you here. <laughs> 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 Erica, it's your choice. 
All right. Uh, I'm shocked that I still have so much of my list left, um, but pleased. And it's kind of between two since we only have this one. I'm going to go with the one that is truly the closest to my heart. And it is another rare instance of me watching a, a new show as it aired and then being heartbroken when it didn't come back. That's why you don't do this anymore. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Because when they did not renew Bunheads, I was yeah. a very, oh. very, very sad camper. Yes. Um, I had loved Gilmore Girls, which was uh, what Amy Sherman Palladino sort of first became known for. And when I heard she had a new show coming, I was like, I am on board. I don't even care what it's about. Turned out to be about uh, ballerina dancers. And I was like, sure, fine. Whatever. I am in. Um, but it actually was really really good it didn't uh it it, it, i would have watched it even if it had completely sucked but it stars uh, sutton foster who is great um she was i think known for broadway and stuff she's an actual an actual real dancer yes Um, she is she's great in anything goes on broadway and she plays a uh, a ballet dancer whose life has not gone the way that she wanted it to. She ends up um, basically she's like a showgirl in Las Vegas, and there's this uh, this one guy who is sort of well to do, who uh, played by Alan Ruck, uh, who really likes her and just you know it, it kind of woos her. And eventually she sort of hits a point where she's just like, well, you know what, my life kind of sucks, so I'm just gonna say yes, and I'm just gonna marry this guy I barely know, and maybe you know I'm not technically really in love with. Uh, so she does, and she packs up her life. And she moves to this like very small town where he lives. And it's, you know, this picturesque, lovely place. And uh, he dies in a car crash almost immediately. And (laughs) here she is in this fictional town of Paradise, California. And she is like, you know, has to first make the decision. Do I stay here or do I go back to my my other crappy life? I'm not sure what to do. Um, she, the thing that ends up sort of tipping over the edge and deciding to stay in the first episode is there is a ballet school that uh, her new mother-in-law, played by Kelly Bishop, who was Emily Gilmore on uh, on The Gilmore Girls, um, she decides to help her her mother-in-law, who isn't really happy that his her, you know, precious son married a Vegas showgirl uh, helps her run this ballet school and then it's you know sort of about her life thinking you know is this really what I want to keep doing these kids are really great they have some some really good actors actually playing the kids who are young dancers and it just sort of goes on from there she's sort of getting a chance to possibly get back into actual dancing and stuff and it, there's a lot of a lot of choices she has to make and in the last episode I was like oh my god I can't wait for a season two um, and then there wasn't one so <laughs> I, ironically, yeah, very, Sutton Foster apparently married to Ted Griffin, the showrunner of Terriers. So there's some crossover for you. Whoa. <laughs> that's, that's what season two of both shows should be. Yeah. I, you know, it, if they hadn't canceled Bunheads, it's possible that we wouldn't have Younger, which is the like six season show that Sutton Foster went on to do, right. which I also really, really, really love. So, I mean, I've come to terms with the cancellation of Bunheads, but I'm still not totally happy or, with it. Or The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is Amy Sherman mm-hmm. Palladino's next show. Oh, which that's is, true. Which is very which good. Which I also love. Mm-hmm. And Sutton, Sutton being like, if she was nominated for a Tony, she would basically win it for a number of years running that level of Broadway talent. Oh, yeah. Um, her her having to perform as a dancer who's like not getting the part is uh is is the is the is the height of acting nice. uh, her having to pull that off <laughs> all right david it's your choice it's my choice i'm going to pick a good one um this is a show this is a show that i loved so much i actually wrote a spec script for it when it was on the air 
Uh, I've gotten to meet the creator of the show, and he is delightful, and he was so happy because nobody ever talks to him about this. They all talk about his plays. It's a show called Nothing Sacred from 1998. Uh, ABC was kind of Oh, we're back on the complaint letters. (laughs) Excellent. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, it's, It's a show about a young priest who is, well, he's human. He's just human. And he has doubts. He has questions. Uh, he gives advice. And uh, sometimes it doesn't go so well. Um, and he has a mentor who's uh, an older priest who's who's just very wise. And it, the, the creator of the show is actually a priest. So it's a little autobiographical. Uh, and ABC put it on the air. And even before even before the pilot went on, it started getting criticisms from the Catholic League in New York City. And, and of course, they hadn't watched the show. They were just offended that a priest was not a perfect paragon of virtue in any kind of fictional context. And they were upset because they, they said, oh, he's, he's advising this girl to go get an abortion. No, if you watch the show, he, his advice is you have to be able to live with the decision you make. And it's totally my mother, who was a theologian, watched the show and went, this is this is doctrinally sound. That's that's exactly right. You know, what is Put that wrong on the with poster? Them? Yep. <laughs> doctrinally sound, says Raves David Lohr's mother. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was a really solid show. And it was it it was on in the same slot as my so-called life. So it was doomed. Um, and it was in that same it, it came from a lot of the same writers that came out of 30 something in my so-called life and uh, once and again and it had it was it was very much of a piece with those shows intelligent characters sometimes doing dumb things uh it was a solid show and the ratings today they're oh it's getting terrible ratings today it would be a hit that's how the ratings were they weren't great at the time but now that we're splintered it's fine. It would do great on a streaming service. It's another show that, yeah, you could bring it back today without without skipping a beat. And now the young priest is the older priest advising someone. Why the hell not? But but yeah, I could I could pick a joke show. I could pick an adventure show or a genre show. This is a show I love. I I've watched it all the way through several times. There were five episodes that were never aired. Yeah, I was going to say nothing says to me the the story of nothing sacred more than the fact that. Uh, they they ran, didn't run five episodes. They just never ran them, and yet the show won the Peabody Award <laughs> and the Humanitas Prize. So yeah. that's mm-hmm. amazing. It's it's one of the best shows that's ever aired, and it's only got <sighs> one season. That's a good pick. That's a good but pick. Down. Most of it is on YouTube. Uh, most of it is on in pieces on YouTube, but you can get pretty much the whole series. It's it's worth watching. Kevin Anderson is great as the priest. Oh my god! All right, nothing sacred. Find it in pieces on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> Cicero, your choice. Oh man, it's me again. Hey, um, so unlike our previous pick, where there were unaired episodes, um, my pick had a call for 40 episodes in one season, but they couldn't complete that uh, 40 season, uh, 40 episode demand. So they just made four clip shows. Um, This show also ended on a cliffhanger 
with only one season of 40 episodes or 36 episodes. Oh, my God. And this show is um, one of my favorite trash movies. Um, it, it shares a lot of uh, commonality with it um, because the trash movie was not like the book, but this show was like the book. And of course, that means that I'm talking about Porvo Hoven and Robert Heinlein's Starship Troopers. So my pick is Roughnecks, the Starship Troopers Chronicles, the CG animated series that came out in uh, the late 90s. Wow. I've never heard of this. Did not know it existed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, So yeah. So this 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 show. So this show was created uh, off based off of the success of the Starship Troopers movie by Paul Verhoeven, Um, and obviously fans of the books were were very upset at the fact that um, Heinlein or that Verhoeven took one aspect of the of the of the books, which was this hyper militaristic fascism. Um, you know, patriotic fascism that came from the Highland books, but he didn't add some of the other elements. So in Roughnecks, the animated series, the Starship Trooper Chronicles, we have the, that same cast of characters that look similar to the characters from the movies, but, uh, they wear power suits like they did in the books. They do go to, uh, the planet where the skinnies are. So they, you learn about the skinnies and, um, you have all sorts of, you know, they have the giant mechs and, and, uh, they set up the series as a bunch of campaigns. So they go to planets and they have five episode campaigns on, or five, yeah, five episode campaigns. So that was, it was built so that kids could watch it one campaign a week, but they never delivered the campaigns on time. So the syndicated networks wind up airing reruns all the time and it alienated a bunch of viewers. So they just disappeared. And then it wound up getting sold to sci-fi and, and people weren't happy about it. And then they were supposed to have 40 episodes, but they only made 36. So they made four clip shows. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there was, there was a, there was a lot going on. Um, One of the cool things in this show was that Clancy Brown uh, Mr. Crab, uh, who also played, uh, I think he was Drill Sergeant Zim in the, in the movie, in the Paul Verhoeven film, reprised his role as Zim on, uh, Roughneck Starship, Tro- uh, Troopers Chronicles. So, so that was pretty cool. All right. I hate, I hate that, uh, they ran out of money and did some clip shows. That's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> you might remember this. <laughs> Clancy Brown's character was infected by spores and was in a coma and had to look back wow. on his experiences from episode 12. <laughs> All right. I'm going to, I'm going to ask everybody to bring out their cancellations in just a moment. But before that, I'm going to make my choice. Uh, CBS uh, in the, uh, in the nineties had a couple of successful TV series. They had uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, which ran for a long time. Uh, and you know, again, Chuck Norris, he could punch things. Cars would explode randomly. It was exciting. It was on CBS. <laughs> and then they had a show that they picked up from Canada called Do South, uh, oh, which was, uh, I love that show. a perfectly nice Canadian show. Also had a, a successful uh, run on CBS and CBS said, Hey guy, 
who is involved in both of those long-running shows. Why don't you do a show for us? And uh, Paul Haggis presented them with Easy Streets, a show that is one of the most brilliant TV dramas ever made, a uh, about set in a decaying Detroit-like city in Middle America, uh, with uh, mobsters and cops and compromised politicians and all sorts of other really interesting things, beautifully done. It aired one episode. And was immediately canceled. <laughs> Although they did burn off some, but not all of the not remaining all. episodes in the spring when um, they brought it back. It was critically acclaimed, legitimately probably one of the best network series of the 90s. One episode before cancellation. Um, it's great. It, they did finally release it on DVD with all nine episodes that they shot. Great cast. Uh, uh, Ken Olin, Jason Gedrick, Joey Pants, Joe Pantoliano. Hmm. Um, and it's, for one episode, Rod Steiger. It's it's yeah for for one episode, for a few minutes. <laughs> yes, and then and then his so body, he was their longest recurring character. And then his, yes. his and then his body was found in an oil drum at the end of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not kidding. Uh, it's amazing. It's a shame that it was. I think too good to live. Basically, but huh. but what a remarkable show. Now Paul, Paul Haggis went on to win Oscars and become incredibly controversial between allegations of uh, sexual improprieties and his uh, his escape from Scientology. It's unclear what's going on with that guy, but uh, this was quite a moment in television history. Easy streets, the letter E, the letter Z. It was for the streets of the city that were that were lettered. This fictionalized Detroit esque city. Um, I mean, it, it was a it was a premium cable drama of the two thousands before that was a thing. It really was. It, you and, know, if this if this had been in the Sopranos era, it would oh, have yeah. been uh, a good fit for that. In fact, in fact, the brutality of the show also made it a terrible fit for network television. I don't know what yeah. CBS was thinking other than, Hey, Walker, Texas Ranger, Yay. especially CBS, the network for your parents. Who yeah. Are easily offended. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, yeah. I'll tell you until, until about two years ago, I still had the videotape I had with all the episodes that they aired. Cause I was like, this is really good. And I just kept <laughs> taping them and I was like, they're never going to show the rest of it. Yeah. So. And they and uh and that's it. So I think it did get a DVD release at some point, but uh it's a, it's sad. Uh but Easy Streets. So that's my pick. I I tried very hard also not to pick Also the best things. song for Manny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also which also, was the theme song which was kind of strange. Yeah, but, very you know, very uh, totally It was a bold different. choice. Well, mm-hmm. that that's why they got canceled. So, uh <laughs> I didn't pick anything I picked last time uh which I was hoping not to do. Uh very quickly, I would like you to list out <laughs> your cancellations that you did not get a chance to pick because they got canceled. Oh, Moises. Oh no. Yeah. Moises go first. The, go the hyper uh, condensed uh, version of explaining what Garth Marenghi's dark place is. Imagine a dollar store, Stephen King introducing himself as Garth Marenghi, author, dream weaver, visionary plus actor, and inviting people to enter the world of his imagination and telling you in every episode that you are entering his dark place. Uh, a show created by the actor who plays this character, Matthew Holness, and Richard Ayoade, who directed all six episodes early in both of their careers. Um, the actors play actors who played uh, characters in a schlocky supernatural show that was never aired on BBC ITV Channel 4. Um, and it, it features these lost episodes recovered, introduced by this schlock horror writer who cast himself, wrote in, and directed this show. Stunt cast his publisher, played by Ayoade, 
and uh, two actors, one played by Alice Lowe, who's now known for Sightseers, Prevenge, loads of indie horror movies, and Matt Barry from What We Do in the Shadows. Um, it's set in a hospital and a bunch of weird stuff happens. And speaking of abnormally racist stuff, there's an episode that is specifically intentionally uh, abnormally racist against Scottish people. My apologies to James Thompson. Um, this is why I didn't pick it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's too sore, too sore a subject, uh, but it, it is absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's only six episodes. They could have done more uh, and it wasn't so much that it was canceled, but they, they made it so that it, it would be fine if it were just the six episodes. And if they had more to play with, they would have done that. Um, I almost uh, went the infuriating direction of picking a bunch of cartoons de- uh, that uh, Jason's never heard of because a bunch of cartoons from the 80s and 90s were 65 episode single seasons. Sure. Um, so the one cartoon that I was going to pick was Dino Riders, which had oh. people from the future go back in time. And the, the, the toys that came from this series are much more memorable than the series itself to the point huh. that the Smithsonian cast uh, like got casts of all the molds for all their dinosaurs because they were so good. Um, uh, uh, imagine this James Garner in a Western setting resistant to violence. That was a show called Maverick, but it was also a show from 1971 called Nichols where, uh, a, a, uh, an army veteran, uh, goes back home, uh, to his hometown in Arizona in the early 1900s when like motorcycles and cars were a thing. And he becomes a sheriff who is resistant to using guns. And then the show tanked, and then they decided to retool it by making him um, by killing off the main character and bringing him back like Maverick as a twin brother with a mustache um, who suddenly does care about guns a whole lot. And he becomes a gunslinging uh, sheriff. Wow. Um, Erie, Indiana was also on my list. The 2019 oh, yes. Swamp Thing, which is now about to start airing on the CW. Uh, Journeyman, another holdover from episode 55. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Cops uh, yes. has been mentioned uh, uh, on, on the show in other episodes. Oh, and uh, and another weird animated curiosity, God, the Devil, and Bob, which caused oh, so, yeah. much, so yeah, much trouble for that. NBC. Speaking um, of Jim Garner. Yeah, it, it was it was a show that aired on NBC that was almost like that. it, it was de- it, it feels like it was designed to air on the USA Network after yes. Duckman. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. That's yes. wow. That, wow. That's right. Star Cops has come back. On Big Finish, I yeah. will point that out. Yes, oh. yes, the TV Fair. show only one, and they're pretty good. Um, uh, Adventures of Briscoe G- County Junior and Clone High. Okay, that's it. Monty, nice. Uh, I'm going to start with some good shows. Profit, the one where Adrian Pazdar works in finance, but also he lives at home in a cardboard box yep. in an empty apartment. That's a great show. Uh, Clerks, the animated series, I oh, really yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. Bear's driving up. car. How can that be? Yeah. <laughs> I'd put it up against any show for being messed with in the run order. Uh, as originally written, episode two was a clip show mm-hmm. that only did clips of episode one. Yes. But then the way they aired the show, they aired episode four first and then episode two. So nobody got any of the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can kill the grimace. Also a, a, a good show about a pandemic <laughs> virus. Yes. Uh, the Get Down, the Netflix yes. Lerman yeah. show about the birth of hip hop. I really oh, enjoyed that show. Oh, yeah. uh, now going to the 80s and My Foolish Youth, Auto Man. That was a uh, oh, yes. Ron starring Desi Arnaz Jr. Desi, Desi Arnaz Jr. and a Lotus. Yep. Uh, Whiz Kids about some kids with yeah, a good. Oh yeah. Miss, 
Misfits Kids. of Science about uh, yes. teens with superpowers. Courtney Cox is in that. <laughs> yes, it, I was. I was going to do this whole thing about how Misfits of Science could have been huge, and then Courtney Cox wouldn't be able to do Friends and the whole alternate universe thing. But I didn't. Uh, now for some bad shows that I liked. Uh, Push Nevada. That this was a Ben Affleck produced show that had clues in it, like Lost, but there was going to be a prize, and then it got canceled during the show. So they had to have an ad during the Super Bowl where he just read the remaining clues. It was oh so my embarrassing. Yes, this, <laughs> that was, that was that. Crazy. this came up oh in, in our uh, best and worst endings of TV series episode 462, <laughs> um, where Monty mentioned Push Nevada because it is it is the best. It's like, and in our final episode, well, we're, wait, we're canceled? Uh, so they just did a commercial. Well, I guess we need to spend a million dollars on a Super um, Bowl ad. Amazing. A few lost ripoffs that I recapped, uh, Siberia and The Event. Do not watch them. They're terrible and never get around to explaining what happened. Yep. Uh, a couple awful reality shows. Casino was the worst reality show I've ever seen. I don't want to go into it right now, but there's a show called Casino. <laughs> so bad. And uh, just so people don't get mad at us, I will finally pick uh, Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. And then just to make sure people are mad at us, I will mention I have never made it through an episode of that show. Okay, yeah. next person. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Well played, clerks. Phil. Well, I, I, I had very a little fear of getting sniped because I I don't I don't care for the, the, the fantasy sci fi genre. So there wasn't going to be a lot of duplicate picks. Yeah, However, like, like uh, Karen Cisco and Easy Streets. Yeah, well that too. A spy uh, game. Yeah. And awake. Uh, <laughs> Bunheads. But my Moises did get Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., so good to him. Um, Casino. The good, the, the good guys with uh, Brad Oh, Whitford yeah. And, that's a good uh, show. And Colin Hanks's kid, or Tom Hanks's kid, Colin Hanks. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, the closer with Rob Lowe as a uh, as a hammy actor who moves yeah. back to Idaho. The grinder, the grinder, the grinder. Excuse me, the, <laughs> the grinder. closer was Tom Selleck. I was yeah. on That's my... right. I, the closer, I, well, the closer was. Uh, there's was, a lot of different closers. Yeah. Trent Reznor. I Three put down shows. the yes, the grinder. <laughs> um, L.A. to Vegas, which was a uh, an enjoyable, stupid was... little TV show about a yeah. the, a plane crew that did the L.A. to Vegas flight, and they had adventures. So I liked it. They named their show after a boring five-hour drive. Good plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thieves, uh, which I think I was the only oh, person in the universe who loved thieves because it was uh, John Stamos mm. being charming as a as a cat burglar with uh, Melissa George. Uh, now and yeah. again, which I uh, I, I really enjoyed. Uh, this was 1999. Yep. John Goodman gets hit by a car and his brain is put into Eric Close's body. Yes. Yeah, I picked, that was one of my you. picks from the last draft, and it was on my list for this time. Great mm-hmm. one-season show with a cliffhanger, of course. With a cliffhanger. Since we, we bagged on Studio... Well, I bagged on Studio City. <laughs> yeah. um, and I've already you. taken a Brad Whitford show. I'm going to take the only Matthew Perry thing I ever liked, which is Mr. Sunshine, where he runs a, good. a shitty arena, and uh, and <laughs> Allison Janey is his boss. And that was uh, it was delightful. Uh, running wild. The only reason I'm picking this one uh, is Peter Serafinowicz was uh, was the wacky next door neighbor, and he was delightful. I, I guess Stumptown's been canceled. I'll take Stumptown. Stumptown, <laughs> Stumptown was COVID yeah. canceled. Yes. Yeah. R.I.P. And uh, I think uh, the, the, so people won't get mad at us for Monty uh, uh, backhandedly taking uh, 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 freaks and geeks. I'll take its uh, spiritual successor, undeclared. Underrated right. and underseen. Mm-hmm. Glenn? 
Oh, I got some good ones. I, I also, no fear of the, my age makes me no fear of being sniped despite overlap, which is, I'm going to start with James at, at 15, which was later called James at 16. I had to check. It was one season, even though they changed the name. It was the, my so-called life of uh, my youth. Uh, I remember it being an excellent show. I haven't watched it since. So perhaps it is terrible in retrospect, but I felt it was like an actual uh, spoke to me kind of portrayal of, of youth. It only ran for, like I say, one season, but he got, he turned 16 apparently. So they changed the name. Uh, Richie Brockelman, Private Eye, David. Uh, (laughs) A Rockford Files spinoff. The thing is, I was digging through to see if I missed any gems. And I remember this show very distinctly. I didn't know it ran only one season. I thought it was actually kind of fun. Uh, dopey, but it was, uh, it was good. I think the only Rockford yeah. Files spinoff, maybe. Um, the, uh, the Ben Stiller show, which famously had one season. And then when they, like, I think about 15 years later, they ran a marathon of it and Ben Stiller introduced it and said, they said we were 10 years ahead of our time. And that would have been five years ago. But, uh, in retrospect, I think maybe one season was enough. It was, um, incredibly good, very uneven and launched all their careers except for one person. And, uh, <laughs> Maybe um, there's the uh, Andy Richter uh, series of shows. Um, right. I remember watching Andy Barker, but I don't remember it very another six episode PI show, uh, which uh, was canceled after four of them aired because I guess it did so poorly. There's Quintuplets, which my wife and I watched a bit, uh, which somehow made it 22 episodes. And um, Andy Richter is very charming. The setup was that they had five quintuplets who were, of course, 100 percent different from each other in every way, including appearance, height and other characteristics. Um, and it was you know, it was cute at times. Uh, I would throw in Andy Richter controls the universe, but it does not, not meet season. two seasons. It doesn't meet as yeah. I know technically it had six episodes, some out of order. Then it was on in like March and April. Then it was on in December. Then it was canceled after some more episodes aired. So really was two seasons though. Um, Earth two. I just bring up because <laughs> oh, one God. of the, it was just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? That means everyone watched it, right? Y'all watched it because you're growing it. I started watching it and then I stopped because it sucked. Sometimes you have to beg for the candle cancellation. Watched, please only one season. Several Glenn, of those. Let's re-underline the word wonder, please. I'm going to do the, uh, the Glenning connective tissue here, which is Clancy Brown previously mentioned and Rebecca Gayhart were on earth Two. Now, Rebecca Gayhart also appeared in Dead Like Me, which had multiple seasons already mentioned on the show. Mm-hmm. But also in Dead Like Me was Laura Harris, who appeared, one of the stars of Defying Gravity. Now, the glenning here, of course, is that Clancy Brown follows me on Twitter. And I'm done. Okay. <laughs> oh. There we go. Is that one of those Tay Diggs things where he follows everybody on Twitter? Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, only people like Mr. Krabs. Dan. Uh, already picked Terrier's Wonder Falls in the Middleman. Um, also in my fun spy show series, J.J. Uh, Abrams short-lived Undercovers, which had two very attractive leads. Wasn't terribly good, but it was fun. Uh, the recently canceled Whiskey Cavalier, which I really yes. enjoyed. That was a very fun show. Um, and produced by Bill Lawrence, speaking of whom, uh, Moises already mentioned Clone High from him and uh, Lord Miller. Uh, two other Tim, Min- Tim Minear shows. I once interviewed Tim Minear about why all his shows got canceled. Uh, <laughs> Drive and The Inside. I don't usually like uh, serial killer stuff, but The Inside was pretty good. Uh, canceled sitcoms. Phil mentioned The Grinder, which was excellent. I actually really liked John Stamos on Grandfathered, which aired at the yes. same time and got less attention, but was a funny show. Yeah. Uh, Kitchen Confidential, based on Anthony Bourdain's with uh, yeah. Bradley Cooper and a whole bunch of other people. John Francis Daly, John Cho, Nicholas Brendan. Like, yeah, that yikes. was a pretty funny show. Only ran one season. 
another Kyle Killen produced one, Lone Star, with James Wolk, which only aired four episodes, I think. Wow. About a Texas con man living a double life and scamming people. Uh, seemed clever. Uh, Adrian Palicki is in it, too. Um the my British trio, uh, Ultraviolet, which I think I mentioned in episode fifty five, which is a uh, vampire show with um, Jack Davenport and Idris Elba from two thousand, which is good and spooky. Uh, Joe Ahern, who made that, also made a show called Strange with Richard Coyle playing uh, yes. a defrocked priest who <laughs> hunted demons, mm-hmm. which was dark. But good. He also and, made a bunch of Doctor Who episodes. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, The Delivery Man, which was a funny show I came across on Hulu, I think, which is a six-episode comedy about Darren, uh, a guy played by Darren Boyd who decides to become a nurse and also has Ashling B in it, who many people might know uh. from her appearance on Taskmaster and elsewhere. Um, Kings, which we mentioned in episode oh, yes. 55 yes. as well. Fantastic show that did not really deserve a second season. Very just clever, high concept, what it like expansive world it created. It deserved more time. Uh, another one from my youth, Nowhere Man, one of the first shows to air on oh, UPN yeah. Yeah. with yeah. Bruce Greenwood, which was kind of a little bit maybe X-Files knockoff uh, about a photographer who takes a picture of the U.S. Army doing some nasty things in Central America and then has his life erased and he spends his time trying to track down like a government conspiracy. Creepy show ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. 30 years later, who cares? Uh, I also had Stumptown. And then my one questionable one, which I guess was technically a miniseries, is The Lost Room. Uh, but man, it was good enough. It should have been a series. All right. Quinn? I do want to start out my bring out, to the, the bring out Your Dead round by saying I have not seen a single show that anyone else has drafted. <laughs> Check Just them out. not really? even one. None, none, wow. Check them out. None of them continue, yeah. and uh, yeah, there aren't that many episodes. <laughs> yeah. I can burn through a lot of these real fast. The Get Down is on Netflix. <laughs> All of I Dark Places on YouTube. Uh, I just have two that I want to mention here, one of which is The Nine Lives of Chloe King, which was part of the great YA fantasy book adaptation boom. Um, It premiered in 2011. It's about a teenage girl who discovers she's a cat person with magical powers. And I really liked it. And it got canceled after one season, which is very disappointing for me in 2011. And then I also... uh, Bring Out Your Dead for the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show, um, which was very funny. Yeah. If you're a fan of that podcast, it was very enjoyable. And sadly, uh, the net, the like streaming service that it was on collapsed. You can collapsed. name CISO. I mean, we all know CISO. CISO. Do you we? can yeah. own CISO if um, you got a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is still, I think another service picked it up. And so you can still see it. But like they never got to make any more, which is pretty sad. All right. James? Uh, my other obscure British one that I was going to bring up was Nathan Barley, which was <laughs> written by Chris Morris and Charlie Brooker of Black Mirror fame. And Ooh. it was supposed to be a cutting satire of new media and internet personalities that 15 years later looks like a mild documentary compared to what actually <laughs> happened. Um, there's Doctor Who spinoff Class, which I enjoyed. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. How did I forget Class? Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, um, we all got our memory erased, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Tay, we mentioned Tay Diggs, um, his Groundhog Day plus Crime show, <laughs> Daybreak. Yeah. Uh, the A Man Takes Drugs and Helps the FBI, Limitless. Limitless. Ah, oh, that was such yes. a good show. Yes. yes. Uh, I liked the Emerald City, which was the sort of oh, Wizard of Oz yeah, sci-fi yeah. thing. Another cancelled sci-fi show is Incorporated. Um uh, the day today was a, a British comedy thing. Uh, I saved that fi- one for you. 
mm-hmm. and I would finally put the original Battlestar Galactica. Oh. Uh, but not Galactica nineteen eighty. Yeah, you're you're kinda right since they basically got rid of the whole cast and renamed it and yep. made a second yep. season. It was really Separate a second show. show. So I'm gonna give yep. it to you. Uh Erica. All right, well my list is pretty short. Uh at the top of it was Firefly, of course. Oh, Firefly. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 That's yeah. the Phil that? Hartman one. Sure. That's the Tim yeah. Minear one I thought everyone was going to pick. <laughs> I, I've seen that one. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I got that reference. <laughs> you, should, you should really watch Bunheads. That's, that's all I'm saying, Quinn. Um, mm, uh, the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. was on my yeah, list. Obviously, right. Monty sniped Studio on the Sunset Strip. Uh, I've never seen an episode of it, but I threw Selfie on my list just in mm. case I had been selfie was good by everybody else because I've heard from so many people that it was good. And I felt like Amy Pond deserved another yeah. season. John, that's Karen Gillan and John Cho doing My Th- Fair oh. Lady as a sitcom. Yeah. My it Fair Lady in the selfie long. generation. The title yeah. is terrible. The show is great. And uh, I am I'm retroactively adding class to my Bring Out Your Dead yeah. list because I can't believe I forgot it. Thank you, James. I like that's that. It's not retroactive. That's, yeah, it just happened, except James already picked it. But that's, that's good. <laughs> Time travel is a matter of perspective. So a lot of my Bring Out the Dead have already been picked so i'm not even gonna say yep. them except stump down please someone bring back stump town it's so good was um, richie brockelman on your list though no <laughs> <laughs> um the follow-up from the makers of saint elsewhere tattingers which they tried to uh cancel and reboot as a sitcom halfway through the one season so it's <laughs> sort of a separate show and it's terrible um let's see the 1975 ellery queen from the makers of Columbo and, and then oh, later that. Murder, She Wrote. That's one of the best, you know, just straight classic mystery series ever. Um, Enlisted, uh, a lovely right. army comedy. Tales of the Gold Monkey. Oh, That's a big shock that I would love oh. that. I knew that would be there. Yep. That's great. Robert Urich's last series, The Lazarus Man, where he's a cowboy wandering the frontier dispensing justice. And it's charming because... It's Robert Urich. Um, Legend, which was also on UPN. Oh. That was uh, Richard, Richard Dean, Dean Anderson, Anderson and yeah. John Delancey, John Delancey. Yeah. as a dime novel hero John and an inventor. And they were solving crimes. John Delancey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, Glenn. Um, <sighs> Mantis, which yes. surprisingly lasted for one season. Yeah. And they killed yeah. him off at the end. Yeah. They left a little gap in case I, there was I, a second season. I think you mean... M period, A period, N period, oh, T period, no. I period, Dude. S period. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> also also part of the Fox Friday nights at eight dead zone. Well, yeah, um, and Carl Lumley will always be Mantis to me, and he was on a, he's yes. been in a million things, and I've seen him in, in my town in a play. He's a barrier <laughs> actor, he's great, and he'll always be Mantis to me. That's yes, just how it's gonna true. be. I as a as a kid I watched most of Cagney and Lacey and, and he was in that and he's still he's still Mantis. He's, Mantis. Mm-hmm. he's just Mantis. Was he the stage um, manager in our town? What did he what did he play in our town, Jason? I didn't say- <laughs> no, he was Emily. He was amazing. Yeah, well, he has range. Because I just imagine you sitting in the, the theater going, Go Mantis! No. Uh, in in uh, in in the town in which I live. Oh, he was oh That's okay. a different play entirely. Oh um, and Marin I Marin Theater Company doing its series of plays of August <laughs> oh, Wilson. But, so it wasn't but it they was, did our town. Legitimate so it wasn't theater. different Thornton Wilder plays. No. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Bakersfield PD, uh, which is John Carlo Esposito getting to do comedy, which is yes. always delightful. A short lived six episode cartoon from MTV called Spy Groove, 
that hit all the mental tickle spots. It's two remarkably dumb male model spies who somehow save the world every episode. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Flying Blind, a screwball romantic comedy that was on Fox scheduled Sunday nights at 10. No wonder it didn't do well. Uh, a show from 1983 on CBS called Tucker's Witch, which was basically the thin man crossed with bell book and candle, a man <laughs> married to a witch and they have a cat and they solve crime. Of course they do. Wow. Of course they do. Wow. And what was and that the one? What was that one? Tucker's, Tucker's Witch. Witch. Tucker's Never, Witch. Okay. That sounds like a recombinant Tim Matheson show. And Catherine I, I thought you said Tucker's yes. Witch, and I was like, what? Wow. With, with Barbara Berry as their, their the mother-in-law, I think. Oh, it was a delightful show wow. if you just like fun mysteries. And wow. then maybe the most obscure thing on, on my list. Again, six episodes. I'm surprised they're all on YouTube now. Uh, people think of Sam Waterston as a lawyer, whether it's I'll Fly Away or Law and Order, or they think of him as Abraham Lincoln. This is Sam Waterston as a steampunk action-adventure hero in QED from 1982. It was on CBS for six episodes. I don't know if all of them aired. It's not brilliant, but it's fun. It's, It's steampunk before it's a thing. It's set in 1912. He's an inventor who manages to invent everything that everyone invents in the rest of the 20th century before they invent it. It's just fun. (laughs) Erica, check that one out. You're going to love it. You will, I think. (laughs) Oh, boy. No, she will not. (laughs) Cicero. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, I keep forgetting I'm here. Uh, So (laughs) we don't. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so um, some of my Bring Out the Dead have already been mentioned, like King's Journeyman, Limitless, Grandfather, all great shows. Um, But I will add to that list Powerless, the um, the. NBC show uh, that was based on DC, a DC comic about the group of people who clean up right. after oh, after yeah, the yeah, yeah, superheroes yeah. go out and mess things up. So it starred uh, Vanessa Hudgens and uh, Danny Pudi and Ron Funches. It was it took a second for it to get it right, but once it did, it was really really good. Also, Alan Tudyk was in it, who played. Bruce Wayne's cousin, who was so much of a dick, uh, Van <laughs> Wayne. It was a really great show that that uh, that died. Um, I guess I think to make room for uh, the Good Place. So um, that's what happened. Okay, and let's see. Knights Blame of Prosperity. the Good Place. Yes, oh, Knights, Knights of Prosperity. Prosperity. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, that was so good. Yeah. So well, that's I, the I'm, best pick of hey, all. Hey, Donald Logue. <laughs> right. Yes. He's back. Yeah, this Donald is let's, let's rob uh, Mick Jagger's house. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And he even got Mick Jagger to star in the show. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and my last pick of Bring Out Your Dead is Fastlane. So what if Miami Vice met... <laughs> Uh, oh my God! Met uh, Fascinelli, Fasc- Peter Fascinelli, yes, Tiffany uh, Theisen, P- yes, and uh, and uh, what's what's his name? Bill Bellamy, yeah, um, who who was the guy I came there for? It was Bill Bellamy meets uh, Kelly Kapowski, and and it was actually a pretty good show. Bill Duke was on the show, uh, and uh, Bill Bellamy's brother gets murdered in the beginning. He's a New York cop who winds up going to L.A. to hunt down his brother's killer. And he winds up in this, like, uh, black ops car 
cop ring where they all have beautifully fancy cars and they go off and do stuff. Uh, uh, Mick G of, uh, uh v- hmm. video fame and, uh, he had just finished, uh, I Charlie's think Charlie's Angels. Angels. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Right before this, right before this movie. I mean, right before this show. Fascinating. All right. Yeah, that's a, their motto was everything we see is we keep everything we keep we use, which is probably the most problematic thing I can ever think <laughs> yeah. of today. Oh my God. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Wow. Um, okay. And then I, I only have a few that haven't been mentioned, uh, that, and they were all mentioned in episode 55, but I'll throw them in there again. The original now tick live action show from 2001 yes. starring Patrick yes. Warburton. Yes. Yep. Uh, they, they, they've done a new one since then. It's also been canceled, but it did have two seasons, so it's got that going for it. Uh, I'm going to mention it again. Cupid, which, <gasps> oh, which, has, yeah. which has since yes. been made again and canceled again. Yet another really? show that was remade and canceled <laughs> yeah. a second Funny. time. But the original with Jeremy Piven and pa- Paula Marshall, again, that's I feel a like one. a little ahead of its time. Uh, <laughs> that's Rob Thomas, who went on to do uh, uh, Veronica Mars did that uh, great show and i will wrap it up by saying non-ironically that i consider the actual uh, official brilliant but canceled after one season perfect one season tv show to be freaks and geeks take that monty and that's it already took it and that's it and uh all that is left to do is for me to thank my panelists because we have named a lot of shows that failed but we love them, and we don't think they're failures. We think they were they were precluded from living due to someone's failure of imagination. Huh? Here, here. Uh, so thank you. Except Mo- for Studio uh, 60. Except for Studio 60, that <laughs> thing needed to die. Uh, Moises Chuyon, thank you. Thanks, Jason. All of those Bring Out Your Dead picks from UPN shows uh, made me realize I missed Homeboys in Outer Space and The Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. Next oh. time, I guess. Oh, Pfeiffer, yeah. please. 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 Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. I think you'll find it is called. But who But who will speak for Mercy Point? Uh, Monty Ashley, thank you. I definitely didn't forget to mention The Secret Adventures of Jules Verne, a great uh, CBC steampunk show. Jason? Oh, good. Well, I'm sorry that you forgot. Phil, Phil Michaels, thank you. Can't believe no one wants to bring back Pink Lady and Jeff. Mm. Glenn Fleischman, thank you. Absolutely didn't forget that 80s show, which show I kind of liked, but I I, I did not forget to mention that. Thank you. Dan Morin, thank you. I'll see you on two season tutors. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, Dan. No, no, you won't. But, but error, error, error. <laughs> Quinn Rose, thank you. I really don't know what to say after that, but thank you. <laughs> I'm with you there. James Thompson, thank you. I, I hope this podcast gets renewed on Netflix in 10 years. Mm. It'll be a, yeah, a revival of some sort. Erica Ensign, thank you. Uh, the final count of uh, all of the, the main picks, not counting Bring Out Your Dead, I have uh, heard of like five-ish of them, <laughs> and there were about 12 that I didn't hadn't. So. I just imagine how many shows you would have fallen in love with and then gotten sad that were canceled. This is why you uh, changed your just, behavior. I have saved so many hours of my life that I didn't need to waste, and I'm glad. Uh, David J. Lohr, thank you. 38 years and still no love for No Soap Radio. <laughs> and Cicero Holmes, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I f- figured out that the best seasoning um, is allspice, but we also forgot uh, Greg the Bunny. 
Did we? Oh, did we? That, that was one from episode 55, but we did miss it. We it legitimately killed, missed it. It was killed by a movie, unfortunately. And thanks, everybody out there, for listening. The great thing about a podcast is it's one season, and it goes on forever. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>